Welcome to a D&D Candle Lab. D&D 5e Character Lab Podcast with your hosts, Karen and Dan. Welcome to the D&D Character Lab, the show based around one thing we as players cannot resist. And that is compulsively creating characters and daydreaming about their validity in-game. Each week we're bringing a new character to the table, drawing from a plethora of published content, and then scoring it against a predefined table of criteria. It is then up to us to use our own personal charisma modifiers to convince the other that our baby is better. Hey, I'm Garen. And I'm Dan, and this week we are joined by a very special guest in the lab with us. You may know him from his appearances on the special effects makeup competition show Face Off on Sci-Fi Network, or his own amazing Twitch stream where he sculpts and chats with his fans. He's also the DM on the Twitch stream Dungeon Queens, or you may know him simply as Grizz on the Twitch stream Inkwell Society, that airs every Wednesday evening. We are honored to be joined by none other than Sig Neutron himself. Hey guys, how's it going? Great, thank you for being awesome. here. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. I think we've already seen that it's very difficult for Dan to say Twitch stream, so this show's off to a good start. <laughs> <laughs> but Sig, before we get to the content of the Character Lab battle, Dan and I want to fanboy just a little bit here, and now you have a couple of D&D streams going on right now. But how long have you been playing D&D, and how did you get into it? Yeah, so I started playing D&D, um, man, probably, like, I was, like, eight or nine or something. I just I saw the, the box, or like, the monster manuals is what got me into it to start with, because, I I mean, that's what I do now is I make monsters for a living. So they were oh, totally. really inspiring to me as a young kid. And then I was like, wait, there's a game that revolves around this? So <laughs> I tried to, like, learn as much as I could, and uh, but then nobody ever really wanted to play with me so it's like back in uh, old indiana nobody i didn't have any DD friends so fast forward to man many years later uh satine hit me up about being a part of the D charity 20 for playing dungeons and dragons for charity and yeah yeah so i did that and then that re-sparked my interest in DD. and since then i've been fortunate enough to be on a couple of their other shows with the maze arcana crew that's awesome. Yeah, and did we miss anything that you are working on? I mean, you, obviously you've got a lot on your plate here, but we don't want to skip over any opportunity, especially those that are D&D related. No, I, th I think you guys covered most of it, yeah, for all the current ones anyways. Awesome. Well, welcome to the lab. And uh, now that we've thoroughly creeped you out by knowing everything about you, let me get into the theme of this week's episode. So based off of your sculpting and your face-off appearances, we're pretty sure you like to make dark-themed creatures and monsters. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we hit it on the head then, Garen, because this week we uh, decided to theme this episode around building characters with the Haunted One background. And Sig, why don't you go ahead and read that background for our listeners? Sure. So my character is Thedra Bloodwayne. She's a tiefling. She used to be a leader of a cult that worshipped an ancient and mysterious evil. But most evils are deceptive, and uh, it promised powers to those that killed in its name. The more you sacrifice, the more power you got, and it delivered. But my character sacrificed many people to this deity, and she was, like, gaining these demonic powers. And just as she was about to kill the final victim that would unleash this being into the realm, she got a glimpse of its true form and its intentions, and she's... Like, there was no way that she could allow this creature to uh, come into the realm. So she actually uh, escaped the cult of her own making. Now she is pursued by her former cult. If she kills one more person, then it will release this 
being into the realm. And the only way that she could sort of circumvent that is uh, she took a uh, like a holy oath and then became like a good paladin. So essentially she's an oath breaker, taker, dualadin. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm stretching the rules a little bit, I guess. And, and heartbreaker, it sounds like. she's. A, yeah, she's isn't a that a Pat Benatar eater. song? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was fun with, like, when she, in her evil days, well, each sacrifice, like, her blade, like, got more and more demonic, and now it's a magical item that's fused with her. But as she's on the run, she won't use her hellish powers because that alerts the cult to her location. Now she mainly sort of plays as a support character with using only the good paladin spells. Very nice. He incorporated flaws, but I also heard some cheating, Sig, and he incorporated <laughs> a magic item, so good work. You're, you're, a, you're a seasoned member of the lab. Could you just run down for us the, the name and the race in the class? Yes, so Thedra Bloodwain, a tiefling paladin. So level three, Oathbreaker, and then level five, just paladin. Awesome. Yeah. Sweet. Great backstory. It now says here, uh, R sucks because apparently because I wrote it. So here it goes. Here's, <laughs> here's our character that we were bringing into the lab today. It all started in a bugbear tribe that was raiding in a temple to try and get supplies because, you know, they're kind of nomadic anyway. And they disturbed this great evil fiend spirit. The fiend came to them demanding an offering. They gave one of their young females as an offering and the fiend bound that young female as his warlock and made her do his evil bidding she was impregnated by the chief of the tribe and after her baby was born she was taken away by the fiend to do more evil bidding the baby was raised in the tribe but very much looked down upon and he was imprinted with some of the a piece of the fiend's spirit it doesn't really infest in him as much as it's able to kind of reside in the back of his mind and has told him horrible things ever since he was young enough to understand them, telling him about the things that happened to his mother, really just maliciously picking on the child because it can't really control him. So it's just trying to drive him mad. And meanwhile, the child is raised in the village. He was given scraps of food. He is given castaway instruments from other bards that the tribe has murdered. And he learned to play those instruments, but he took his own darkness and his hate out on the tribe around him they wanted him to entertain them he did so but he developed his own kind of dark power in doing so and as he grew up he became a bard in his own right self-taught with nothing but bad intentions on trying to get some revenge back on the bugbears as a people for what they've done to him and his mother and so we bring this week manville the level eight college of whisper bugbear bard well, Garen, while most things on this earth as well as Faerun would be better than that backstory, one thing's for certain. Oh, cantrip, I wrote, oh. Cantrip candles are far superior. Cantrip candles are 100% soy candles that are designed for use with tabletop adventures like D&D and Pathfinder. They offer a great selection of scents that smell like, a dif like different locations in a fantasy world, sanctuaries, scriptoriums, and even an old musty tavern. But I've been on a kick lately with the brand new Cosgrove Leatherwork scented candle with its notes of smoky leather and clove, just takes me somewhere else. But to be honest, these candles can transport you just about anywhere within your fantasy games because they offer candles that are perfect for just about every scenario. We've got the sampler pack here at the lab, and let me tell you, we use a different scent for just about every game night, and it's just about always perfect. If you want to check out their offerings, their sample packs give you all of their scents for just $11 plus shipping, and once you decide that you want to buy every single one of them, be sure to splurge on their newly offered 16-ounce candle size, after all, they come with a metal D20, and you don't even have to expend a spell slot to get it. 
be sure to check them out. That's Cantrip Candles. And if you don't know how to spell Cantrip, your name is probably Garen Jones. Thank you, Dan, and Cantrip Candles for that message. It's a great message, but Dan read it like crap. Sig, we have now <laughs> met these characters, and we are about to jump into the actual lab battle. We are going to be scoring a minus two to a positive two, what we think our categories are worth. And at the end, we will determine who is the champion. Now, Sig, don't forget, at any point in this lab battle, you can force us to roll to try and stop us from getting a score we think we deserve. And you have to use the charisma modifier for the character on the roll. And we will set the DC based on the score we're trying to achieve. But we're going to get started right now. Melee damage, the simplest stuff. And Manville the bugbear, he is actually very strength-based. He is not a optimized bard at all. And he carries a longsword. And he has a plus six to hit, 1d8 plus three. But he also has surprise attack damage as a bugbear. On his first attack of a battle, he gets an additional 2d6 damage just one time. And with only one attack, we feel like this is a zero. Right there, middle of the road, as far as damage output goes. Dang. I don't know. That sounds pretty impressive, to be honest. <laughs> okay. Well, then I think, Garen, I think we're getting granted the zero. <laughs> it's a, you know, it, it sounds like we could have pushed for a lot more. I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Dang. Wish I had read that out loud before. All right. I'll take the zero. So, Sig, what does your tiefling paladin have when it comes to melee damage? Thedra has a plus two greatsword that does 3d6 plus strength plus two. But it does 1d6 necrotic damage to her when she uses it. So that's Ooh. the drawback. So this is the possessed so, sword that she's... It's not possessed, right? It's um, it's bound to her. It seems to maybe be growing its own sentience as it was uh, oh. sort of... I imagine it looks something like kind of like the Nightmare Sword from uh, Soul Calibur. Absolutely. Like weird, some weird like bio it. elements to it. But yeah, so she doesn't uh, tend to use it that much, only in dire situations. Okay. okay. 3d6 plus strength plus two. That's impressive cheating, Sig. So what are you arguing for melee? I'm gonna I'm gonna argue a zero on this one too, because uh, she's not very apt to attack. She's more of a defense support character. She can, but she usually doesn't. Man, I would have given you more because you referenced Soul Calibur, which is one of my favorite games of all time. But if you want a zero, <laughs> oh I'm yeah, not gonna... plus one plus one for Soul Calibur. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> we'll, we'll take it. You know what? We're starting off easy on you, but it's going to get mad tough here. <laughs> okay. So what does Phaedra have for ranged? She's got nothing on range. That sounds like a big minus two. Because yeah. ranged is garbage. Who uses ranged, ranged anymore? Ranged is garbage. We make this argument on the show all the time. It's very third edition, if you ask me. <laughs> I pretty much fail every time I'm trying to do anything ranged, so I tend to avoid it. <laughs> well, I will tell you that Manville has a plus six to hit on a 1d8 plus three crossbow and also has that surprise attack that we mentioned in the previous category. I'm going to argue at eighth level that this is also deserving of a zero. It's not great. <laughs> yeah, and it was a crossbow, or what did you say it was? Yeah, it's a 1d8 plus 3 crossbow. Yep. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a very bloody crossbow. He took it off a corpse. Does he have any uh, like any skills that makes him reload faster or anything like that? Does oh, he no, he's got big bugbear hands. Very clumsy, thick sausage fingers. Wow. Yeah, okay, a zero, because it's, it's optional to use that anyways. <laughs> we'll take it. Garen, what about magic damage for Manville? Okay, well, this is where Manville starts to get a little bit spicy. One of his features of being a College of Whispers bard, which is the arguably the creepiest of the bards, is a psychic blade where he can ex expend a bardic inspiration die when he makes a melee attack to do an additional 
3d6 psychic damage. He wants people's minds to be just as ruinous as his own. So even his blade, you know, it cuts deep. We also have a couple of other spells. Mm, maybe I'll hold back on those. That's a weak argument, Garen. <laughs> you think that just the one thing? Oh, no, you're right. You're on my same team. We're not used to this. Come on. All right, then I then I would also argue that we have Vicious Mockery and... All right, Sig, well, this is obviously a crap argument. Will you give him a negative one if he viciously mock, mocks you well enough? <laughs> sure. Will you be the judge? All right, Garen, give it, give it your best shot. Oh, man, I got to mock Sig? I don't want to do this. All right. You got to do it. <laughs> I can take Sig, it. Sig, I was watching your stream where you were sculpting that busted-ass devil with those long fingers. What were those curling around? What is that devil going to hold with long-ass fingers like that? He can't even dial a phone. Doesn't make any sense. The anatomy, totally whack. Wow, he, he actually just went literal. He went, like, literal with it. I love it. I love it. That was deep. It's a great devil if you guys haven't seen it. It's a really sweet devil. <laughs> I don't think it was vicious enough, so, yeah. Oh. Minus one. I, uh, <laughs> all right, Dan, awful. take that note. You got to go dirty next time. Yeah, all right. so, <laughs> so Sig, what, does, uh, what, what do you have for uh, burninating or magic damage? We got good old Searing Smite. It's 1d6 fire damage. We can inflict wounds, which, as a first level, 3d10 but damage. Yikes. That's That's pretty gnarly. Just those two alone. Well, but see, the drawback is that she never really uses those, because uh, any of the aggressive spells... Yeah, and I would so. argue you are, you are role-playing yourself out of a point here, because, yeah, I mean, she's got them. If she needs them, this is what she can do, and her output is... That's definitely higher than what our boy Manville's supporting here. I guess so. And I gotta yeah. tell you, 3d10 is nasty. All right. Are you a uh, plus one? Well, how about this? Grab your d20 and give that a roll for me because you're going to roll for this plus one. And I think your your DC is a 15 on a plus one. So add your charisma modifier to whatever your roll is. Okay, charisma. Plus four. So that would be a 23. Okay, well, you get that plus one. (laughs) (laughs) That's a 3d10 roll right there. That thing hurt. Nice roll, but how controlling is Thedra both on the battlefield and in life? Is she able to keep things the way she wants them? Yeah, that's a good point. So she's uh, she's got a lot going on in her head, just like it's hard for her to drown out the whisper of that ancient evil. I don't know. She'll have moments of unreliance, I suppose. <laughs> she's, okay. I think, she, I think she's spending a lot of time trying to control her urges to turn to the dark side. I'd say battlefield, maybe more so. I took the feet grapple. Oh, oh yeah. grappler yes. feet. All right. Yeah. Absolutely. She can grab some folk. Does she have a particular like submission hold or finishing move? She would grapple people, take them down, and then the finishing move, she lets the group finish them. Like, compelled duel, get somebody, get the attention on her, grapple them, and then leave it up to her teammates to uh, take them down. Oh. she can't kill anybody, you know? Also, in the battle, she could use Rebuke the Violent. I mean, that's pretty useful. But... I would say... And, it, well, also, I mean, there's Rebuke the Violent, but also Hellish Rebuke, too. You got all these rebukes. So the, the Hellish Rebuke does 2d10 fire damage, and the Rebuke the Violent, actually, if they fail a wisdom saving throw, the attacker takes radiant damage equal to the damage that it just dealt. That is, you're that just is laying down the hurt. The Duke of Rebukes. Well, I guess the Duchess Abs- of Rebukes. That's oh, it. <laughs> there it is. The Duchess of Rebukes. So what are you arguing for control? You know what? I'm going to try to argue for that, too. 
Yeah, you, I think this is plus two worthy. Garen, what do you think? I like that, and I like the way you're flavoring her that she is not necessarily violent, but she is definitely a presence on the battlefield. So I'm not going to argue that. Sweet. We're going to take a plus one here. We have the Vicious Mockery Cantrip, which we've already brought up, but we also have Counter Charm and Compulsion. We also have Words of Terror, which is a College of Whispers ability, which at the third level, it allows you to infuse innocent-seeming words with insidious magic that can inspire terror. If you speak to a humanoid alone for at least one minute, you can attempt to seed paranoia in its mind. At the end of the conversation, the target must succeed on a wisdom saving throw against your spell save DC or be frightened of you or another creature of your choice. The target is frightened in this way for one hour or until it is attacked or damaged or until it witnesses its allies being attacked or damaged. That's some serious control. I don't have anything else. Argonaut plus one. I think it might be a stretch, but I'm going to go with it. What do you think? I think it's a pretty sweet spell. Yeah, it's always good to screw with the enemy minds. So, yeah, I agree. Plus one. Plus one, yeah. Leaving them frightened for the whole hour would probably be the most torturous. That would be... I think that's the greatest role-playing right there. It's just, you know, you're sitting in a tavern. I'd just be talking to the guy in the tavern, like, sharing sharing an ale with him, and I'd just be looking at him dead in the eyes and just watch terror slowly just spread across his face. And I'd be like... And then I'd go use the, the restroom, and then he'd be on the other side of the room. (laughs) or oh man like interrogating someone terrifying them and leaving them in a dark room and then just kind of screwing with them a little bit yes that's yeah that's some head games right there (laughs) so so like i said plus two for that right it was what you said no (laughs) No, i'm kidding i'm kidding now that i was thinking about the interrogation thing i don't know I would have let that. Yeah, but that was all fun. your idea. I was, I was too dumb to bring I like that up. arguing for you guys. <laughs> yeah, we can't. Manville's definitely the bad cop. We can't take points for your ideas. Um, <laughs> so, so, Garrett, how tanky is Manville? Not much. This is going to be pretty simple. He's got 80 hit points and an AC of 14 because he wears leather armor. He's got pretty solid decks. I just think this is middle of the road, a zero. I don't even have any healing spells to keep myself in the game. No, and that's like one big soft bugbear. Basically a teddy bear. <laughs> He's quick, though. He d- he is quick, but yeah, an AC of 14 is nothing to write home about. And you're arguing a what? I think it's a zero. Sure. All right. That's well, a stretch. You know what? Murder. Well, I'll say, I'll say minus one. But he's really good at stretching now that you brought that up. Like, he does the yoga every morning. No, yeah, no. <laughs> he keep warrior stance, goddess Wait, what's his, pose. What's his HP? 80. All right, yeah. I, I'm going to say minus one. You know that wouldn't fly with me. I'm not gonna just stand look here. At, I'm not gonna stand here and let let that happen. But you know, Dan, looking at the scoring here, I am doing worse than you are as far as our team goes because you're also arguing against me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing my job. All right, Sig, how tanky is your character this week? All right, she that's like that's her forte. She is all sorts of tanky. She's got seventy eight hit or no, seventy six hit points and as far as spells go, she's got shield and also hellish rebuke. Is it's sort of burning eighty and tanky, but what's her AC? Does she carry a shield? Uh, she does. And yeah, her AC is uh, eighteen. Right on. And I think you said her hit points are 76, and that would be on us. One thing that we probably forgot to mention, I'm going to put this one on Dan, is that we always do max hit points just so we rule out any sort of, you know, argument on that. So it would be D10. At 8th um, level, would be 80 max hit points. <laughs> you know, now that you think about it, I don't even have 80 hit points on Man, man I really screwed that up. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> anyways, like, like Garen was saying, that bungle was on him. Sold yourself out. Okay. 
as far as tankiness goes too, uh, she also has lay on hands, so that's you know she could be like a ah. field medic in a sense. Does she, does she sing? When I think about you, I touch myself. Ah. Yes, that, every every time, every time. Oh, solid. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, what are you arguing here for tankiness? I'm gonna I'm gonna say two. That's like her her main jam. Yeah, AC of eighteen. Yeah, Dan, Dan, you push that role way too soon. <laughs> this uh, when he wants a two, this is the one to do. Oh man! But how do you argue that he's got more hit points, better AC, plus four uh, charisma modifier? What was I supposed to do? And with that? healing. <laughs> Maybe if we had waited to roll later, the roll would have been worse. Right, you know the way right. the cosmos work. Ah. <laughs> uh. So Sig, how do you help your friends? Well, there's aura of protection. Like anything crazy goes down, there's that. Uh, cure wounds. Uh, also lesser restoration. Oh, oh yeah. And also, if she's in danger of killing somebody, she'll actually heal the enemy that she almost killed because she just cannot, she can't kill anyone. Now, since we're in the ally assist thing, like, does she work well with a, if you were playing her in a party, would she work well with the party? Would she be friendly to the party? Or, no, she said she's awkward. Yeah, I envisioned playing her, like, good, hard, like, you could tell that she's just trying so hard to do good but there's that call to evil so it's uh she's very reserved she doesn't talk a lot she's just there to help you know Mm -hmm. so any social situations she wouldn't be very good at i am i envision well then it sounds like the smooth operator and spitting fire are not going to be his jam that's where we're going to make up the ground garen (laughs) but what do you think she deserves as far as her ally assist score goes i'm gonna say another two allies assist and uh tankiness were the two main things i was going for with this one i'm not you know we don't have a role uh garen your call oh yeah why don't we have a role dan forgot (laughs) i don't know i think we lost it uh yeah so plus two i'll approve it but dan you got to go hard on this ally assist for us okay we need to make some ground listen listen before i do that I'd like to take a moment to explain how you, the listeners, can help the D&D Character Lab. A couple months ago, we launched our Patreon page, and we're super excited to bring you extra content on the cheap. We have tiers that start at just one buck and move all the way up to $20. We have a Discord that you can chat with us. Not even really our loved ones want to do that for free, but if you want to pay a dollar a month, we'd love to have you. And uh, we also have bonus episodes available for our $5 and up patrons. We also have early access to our regular show unoptimizations for our characters in our show, and you can even name them. For details on all that, be sure to head over to patreon.com forward slash D&D Character Lab. Now, let me tell you how we help our friends. We have Bardic Inspiration. We've got Song of Rest. We've got the Enthrall spell. Now, I don't know if we've ever gotten into this on the show, but I'll repeat it because it's worth mentioning. We weave a distracting string of words causing creatures of your choice to that we can see within range that can hear you to make a wisdom saving throw. Any creature that cannot be charmed succeeds automatically, but if you or your companions are fighting a creature, it has advantage on the save. On a failed save, the target has disadvantage on wisdom checks made to perceive any creature other than you until the spell ends, until the target can no longer hear you. So this is helpful to the friends because I can say, hey, over here, man, I cast that spell. That target can look nowhere else but me, and it's going to attack me, me, me. That was not enthralling at all, though. Your example? Over here, man! No, I wouldn't look. I would think it was a trick. <laughs> you know what? That works on 9 out of 10 people, and you you would be the one. I'm arguing a plus one. I don't know. I think it's all right. Yeah, I can see that. That's It's nice. Nothing crazy, but it's not totally useless either. And not that's... totally useless. That's what we're going to call Manville. <laughs> there it is. Not totally useless. All right, and then, uh, Garen, go ahead and tell us how balanced Manville is. I'm not messing around here. 
Manville is not that balanced as a character sheet. He has, let me run down some numbers for you. He has a strength of 16, a dexterity of 17, con of 10, intelligence of 14, wisdom of 12, and charisma of 8. He's got that low charisma, even though that's his spellcasting modifier, because he is a resentful bard. He didn't really want to be a bard. It was just his way of getting in people's heads. I do think there's a little bit to be said for that intelligence of 14. It gives him a little bit of boost on some of his skills. He's also got the features with being a bard where his... His skill modifiers are all pretty decent, including a stealth of plus nine and insight of plus seven. I feel like this is a zero because of spellcasting modifier thing. That's Manville, baby. Yeah. I mean, if you want to give us a one, I'm not going to be mad at it. Yeah, I think it's zero worthy. No. <laughs> <laughs> I appealed. How balanced is your character, Sig? All right, so, uh, yeah, her stats. So she has uh, 16 of strength, 11 in dexterity, 16 constitution, 10 intelligence, 13 wisdom, and 10 charisma. Yeah, I mean, to start a cult, you have to have charisma, but then <laughs> now she's plagued by a demon, so now she's not as charismatic, I suppose. <laughs> Taken out of her element completely. I'd say on the uh, stats-wise, uh, she's pretty balanced, but I'm going to say, like, actual roleplay-wise, she's sort of an unbalanced character. So I would argue plus one. Yeah, Garen? Yeah, I like that we both got to the same place with Haunted Ones where we didn't feel like they would be someone who can talk to other people. That makes sense to me. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Sig, we're going to move on to the Smooth Operator category, which is basically the ways that you use your charisma to get out of tough situations or without hurting other people. But how sly are you? How stealthy? Yeah, let's just say, let's say we're approaching the city gates. Pretty big open area. You and three other members of your party are just walking along you look a little menacing and a little out of place and these guys know you don't belong okay thedra would uh, look the general right in the eye and say i only have to kill one of you and this entire realm will be destroyed do you want to take that chance wait like can it be any of us does it have to be someone in particular what are the rules of this curse i look around for the shrimpiest scaredest looking one <laughs> it's like if you attack us, I can go in directly for that one. Oh, he's terrible. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I, I like that. Playing out the uh, the curse on the sword. What do you think here for smooth operator's sake? Uh, there's going to be a day that somebody's going to call the bluff. And so it works sometimes, but I don't know. I'm going to say a zero on this one. Uh, you know what? You role-played it pretty well. I think, uh, I think you get a zero. And that's all flavor. That's all flavor, baby, from the backstory. That's pretty nice. And actually, in the recent episodes, we've done a lot of points based on Rep alone. And this is Rep. She's the one that can bring down Hellfire on the entire world if she kills one more person. I, I love playing the wildcard characters that like to push people's buttons. <laughs> it would be a weird uh, dynamic because I think like the party members in the back of their mind, whoever she travels with, would always be like, well, if we just killed her, then we wouldn't have to worry about you know this impending <laughs> doom. So it's like sort of a strange social scenario for a character. <laughs> so you've, you've created yep. a character that everyone secretly want to kill a little bit. Maybe, yeah. But then I, I, you know, there's I don't think that was English what I just said, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so All for right. this particular scenario, I, uh, I themed it as I'd just kill the general outright. I'd, I'd, I'd say, hey, general, come here. We need to go behind this wall here in the middle of this field. I'd take him back there. I'd kill him, slice his throat. 
And then I would use Mantle of Whispers ability uh, that the College of Whispers grants me at the sixth level, which when a humanoid dies within 30 feet of me, I can magically capture his shadow using my reaction. I retain his shadow until I use it or I finish a long rest. I can use this shadow as an action, and when I do so, it vanishes, magically transforming into a disguise that appears on me. I now look like the dead person, but healthy and alive. It lasts for one hour or until, until I end it as a bonus action. When I'm in this disguise, I can gain access to all information that th that humanoid would freely share with a casual acquaintance, such as uh, any you know, information or secrets he would have. So I would use this to convince his subordinate soldiers that the, dra the, the dungeon queen has gone mad and that they're fighting for the wrong purposes and that they must alter their allegiance to the force in which my party is fighting for. If they succeeded on a wisdom save to reveal my true identity, I would then make a mad dash for the nearest cover and use my disguise self spell to reappear as the general once more. I would then reappear and accuse all of them of going mad for accusing me of being a bugbear. And then if I could sense any doubt, I would cast Detect Thoughts and see if they believe my story or if I needed to cast Suggestion to mentally suggest to one of the soldiers to convince the others that I'm telling the truth. I'm arguing a plus two here. I think that's strong. There's a lot of abilities there. You know, that is a really solid uh, string of abilities. But it's all contingent upon the fact if you can get that general who's already wary of you to just walk away with you into <laughs> a secluded spot. Yeah, I thought you wouldn't catch that. Yeah, that, that part's a little tough. So maybe I would cast Suggestion, bring that general over behind the wall. That could work, maybe. You have doubt, and so I'm going to detect thought and see if you're thinking maybe plus one instead. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna say plus one because I do. That was an awesome string of abilities, but it's you gotta get that string moving first. We're gonna put that in the reviews of the podcast on iTunes. Quote: Dan has an awesome string of abilities, and then uh, we're just gonna put the little attribution to uh, Sig Neutron. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, uh, Garen, spitting fire. I'm ending big on spitting fire. I'm pushing for a plus two. Here's what I would do: walk up to that captain of the guard. I cast Phantasmal Force on him. Now, this is a hallucination that also does psychic damage. And the hallucination is of a creature. And what I'm going to cast on him is he is going to see the fiend that I've seen in my mind since I was a child. These glowing red eyes, this, this kind of pulsating dark form. Horns coming out of the head, shoulders, fingers, I don't know. And as that's bearing down on him and kind of driving him mad, I cast Crown of Madness on the weak guy, the puny little guy that you were going to kill, Sig. That guy goes nuts and attacks the captain of the guard. Chaos breaks out, and I walk in the front door. The front door of the city. The front door, <laughs> I, right through the porticulus. That's it. Okay, so what are you arguing, Garen? I said it from the beginning. I was going big. I was going for a two just to create ultimate chaos. It's only two spells, though, to be fair. But you know you don't you don't need a whole bunch of spells if if it's effective, right? But was it, but was it effective? Dan, I didn't say anything about your little soap opera of being ten people. <laughs> because it was great, and Sig Neutron said it was great. We're putting that on our logo. That's nothing like the original quote. <laughs> Do it. Do it. Give me the two. Do it. All right. Ooh. I'm gonna give you. Do the it. Two. I'm gonna give you the two. Ooh. I bullied him. Oh, you hear that, Dan? I got the only two for our just, team on this just episode. because I like the, the whole, like, sort of Hellraiser-esque, yeah, I have such sights to show you. <laughs> like, ah! Exactly. I dig it. <laughs> All right, so how does your character spit fire? How intimidating is your character? 
well, I guess I kind of screwed that one up because like I think the last one would be more of a spitting fire thing because that's pretty intimidating, right? It's like, don't mess with me because we'll all die. So fair. We can regcon that. Do you want to talk about how you handle it smooth? We're all right with that too. Okay, yeah. So I don't think she's got anything going on handling that smooth there. <laughs> It'd probably be like a minus two, honestly. Based off your backstory and the way you're flavoring it, I'm not seeing any smooth way she's getting out of that either. Yeah, that would be a point where she would take the back seat and let another character talk their way out of that one. And then and then she would resort to the threat of world annihilation if <laughs> if that first character couldn't uh, talk him out of it. Well, we love it. We'll give you the minus it, two. I'll take oh, it. we're gonna yeah, so gracious <laughs> to give you the minus two. And that was that was a real gentleman move to take that at the end of the game there. Before I tell you the score, Sig, this is the X factor where we talk about if we'd want to play the character we made and why. Did you make a character for this that you would be excited to play in a game? I would. I need to develop uh, how she would interact with people a little bit more. But I do like the duality of, you know, having the opportunity to use the dark abilities, but not because the cult would find them. But then it also leads to fun scenarios of the group that if she had to save the group with the abilities, then at some point they're going to have to deal with the cult showing up. Uh, and that would be up to the DM to figure out how to bring the, that the cult into it. But I think that's like a, an exciting and cool little story web. You also multiclassed a paladin and that's awesome. So, kudos. Dan, I, I'll just go first. I think Manville would be an interesting character to play. The College of Whispers, I wasn't exactly excited about it before I kind of got it in front of us now for this episode. This is the first time I've really kind of taken the time to digest it, and I enjoy it. As far as a bard goes, it's really dark, and I haven't, I've never played a, a especially dark character, so I'm kind of into this. Yeah, and also uh, it, it concentrates on a lot of the psychic damage that you see with Crown of Madness and, and all that stuff. So uh, it, it's a cool way to theme all of that, cool way to get uh, a psychic focus on your bard. But overall, I would not play this character because you made it, so. <laughs> oh. oh. So it's like, this is how the show goes all the time. <laughs> so I would Gary, play Manville. <laughs> you'd play Thank Manville? Thank you. Oh, yeah, thank you. I would. All right, so we'll use that as your quote. Quote, I would play Manville. And I'm going to retcon this now. Sig, you're invited to my family's Thanksgiving, and Dan is not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) We're brother-in-laws for the record, Sig. I'll bring green bean casserole. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) All right, drum roll for the total. Sig, if you had equipped a crossbow and had Charm Person as a spell, this would have been a total slaughter. But even with those two minus twos you took, you still beat us five to three. So it is my pleasure to announce you as the winner of this episode. And the way I see it, when you won face-off, George took, like, second place. So I get to, if I get to be George, I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> Hooray! Even though I cheated, like, so much. <laughs> That's all right. Cheating is a big part of the show. It's a huge part of the show. Every one of Garen's wins is attributed to that, so it's perfect. <laughs> What's important is we made characters that were fun, and uh, we got to argue about it. That's true. Uh, I think it would be fun to see uh, Manville and uh, Thedra in the same group. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a mess. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you need some very well-balanced characters in the mix there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Sig, you are the real deal, my friend. Awesome character. Why don't you give us the scoop on what new projects you have going on right now and where our listeners can consume your content? Awesome. Yeah. So mainly I've been doing a lot of stuff on my personal Twitch, twitch.tv slash signeutron, like sculpt. Uh, I play games sometimes, sometimes do tabletop. I have a few D&D shows that I want to create where 
using D&D rules, but not necessarily in the fantasy setting, more like sci-fi western setting. So I'm working on putting that together. But also, I DM on Dungeon Queens, twitch.tv slash Dungeon Queens. That's every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Pacific time. That one's a lot of fun. Uh, it's actually helping me learn the rules better and everything, being a DM rather than a player. But I'm like completely creating a whole new world called Andromia, filled with all sorts of weird, uh, bizarre characters that I've created. <laughs> oh, man. That's awesome. So quick question, which would you like better, playing or DMing? Definitely playing, because I, my, <laughs> my library of knowledge about rules and things is uh, limited, but it's expanding. But I, you know, I love doing voices and being different characters, so I kind of really like to DM, because just to play the characters. <laughs> I'm, all about, I'm very big into the roleplay aspect of the game. <laughs> and I'm excited about that Western thing you mentioned. I love a good Western. My wife makes fun of me. She says, on Netflix, do you just watch anything that has a cowboy hat in the picture? And it's like, well, yeah, that's pretty true. <laughs> yes. Uh, some of my biggest inspirations for that is, uh, you remember uh, Brave Star? Yes. The cart- Yeah, it's like, it's going to be like that. Uh, but I'm in sleazy signutronified. <laughs> it's like on an alien planet yes. with cowboys and, and uh, yeah, space cowboys. <laughs> awesome. Well, you've outshined us because we have less exciting things coming out of the lab, but we're going to mention them really quickly. First of all, and always, we've been working very hard on it. We uh, will probably start streaming ourselves making that fresh meth that we make in the lab. (laughs) Number two, we got a new PDF coming to DMs Guild very soon. It's Jimmy Jr.'s Horde of Horses and other exotic mounts that are for sale. A whole bunch of new mounts that you can put in your game, some feats revolving around riding a mount. Number three, Wombo's Guide to Combos, a PDF that's already on DMs Guild that is a silver bestseller. We're very proud of that. We'd love for you to check that out for only a buck. We've got some great patrons that we're very thankful to have. They're enjoying our two bonus episodes a month, as Dan mentioned. You can get in on those for just $5 a month. We've still got our shirts on Spreadshirt. If you want to check those out, link in the episode description. And next week, we're going to be having another episode highlighting material that we have found and fall in love with exclusively on DMs Guild. Dan and I are going to be making characters with races and classes of all new content that users have put up there. Last episode was really fun, so I'm looking forward to that. Awesome. So thank you, Garen and Sig, for those exciting updates. Sig, thank you so much for being a guest in the lab this week. And uh, that about wraps it up for us this week, Lab Rats. Just remember, it doesn't have to be optimized. It just has to be fun. Thank you. This has been a production of the D&D Character Lab Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at DND Character Lab. Or shoot us an email at dndcharacterlab at gmail.com. Most importantly, make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app.